Good morning. Good morning. All right, good, good. It is good to be back. Uh, I had gotten to take my third trip to Angola, Louisiana, to uh, the uh, state and federal prison. It was a, uh, a very interesting experience again. Damien LaCroix went uh, with me this time again. Uh, I got to say, an amazing experience and for a couple reasons. It's, it's one thing to worship with you, and I love that. It's another thing to sing, and we had to turn guys away with 700 men that are in there for life uh, that sing with freedom. Isn't it amazing that you can be inside a prison, 6,300 inmates, incarcerated for life, and they can sing that like they're freer than you and I. And I was moved, and so I know Damien and I share the same heartbeat of loving being around that. I mean, it's a remarkable experience being around, they have 32 churches, they've, I graduated, I believe, 200 to 250 uh, men out of Bible school, seminary, MDivs, many of which know their Bibles way better than you do. And it's amazing to sit there at a pastor's training and men that are passionate about building the local church. They have 32 churches that operate within the prison. How is it that in the midst of bars and barbed wire, that the spirit of Jesus Christ could be in the lives of people and create a remarkable community in a prison? And why is it that the local church in many cities today act like they're in a prison and the spirit of Jesus isn't moving through their lives and they're very unremarkable. I long to be around remarkable community. We, we've been talking about that. Last week we, we tried to, to tackle the question, what makes us remarkable? And as a church that teaches out of the scriptures, we would all agree that what makes us remarkable is nothing we do, it's Christ in us, right? That's where we start. We know that nothing can be remarkable about us apart from the saving grace of Jesus Christ in our lives, that remarkable gift that God gave us for remarkable sinners like you and I, that can create a remarkable community. But in that, God did his job. In a remarkable community, it's a group of people that know that God's done his work, and now they begin to act like he's done that work, to respond to what's going on inside them. And so remember last week, we did the parable of the talents, and we put in your hands $3,600 of God's money, right? Tithe money. How many of you still have that? And you like with fear and trepidation, not sure what you should be doing with it, right? Why is that such a powerful picture for us? Because we said in remarkable communities, they begin to understand the parable of the talents very differently, that God honors us investing it. Us just hiding and putting this away and in fear. He doesn't ask us to operate that way. He says, I've given you everything you have. Now it's for you to begin to give it away. This morning I want to talk about this idea a little bit, but I want to go right to a passage where Paul talks about this same concept but in a very different way. Believe it or not, many of the letters that Paul writes have to do with giving campaigns. It's crazy. You probably wouldn't have thought that in the Bible, but there are. There are campaigns around there. And one, the church of Jerusalem is struggling financially. And so Paul, 
is writing his second letter to the church in Corinth. And he's going to write this letter and say, listen, I'm coming early, and you said you were going to promise a gift, so let's work that out. So let's just dive right in to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. The version of the scripture is the voice. It's a little bit easier to read. Verses 1 and 2, Paul says this to the church. It's a letter. If I wrote any more on this relief offering for the poor Christians, I'd be repeating myself. I know you're on board and ready to go. I've been bragging about you all throughout Macedonia province, telling them the Acacia province has been ready to go on this since last year. Your enthusiasm by now has spread to most of them. Let me just stop there for a moment. So one of the first things that the the inmates will ask me when I show up is they'll ask, how is community? The few that I've gotten to know will say, how, how are you? And it's amazing because I get this chance to do exactly what Paul's talking about. I get to talk about you. I get to brag about you. I get to say, God is remarkably moving in the lives of people. Let me share what that looks like. On the flip side, I get to come back here to you and brag about a bunch of inmates that have been remarkably transformed by God. See how that works? Paul's really saying, I want you to know that when we begin to operate this way, you begin to have a ripple effect around people. Without even you recognizing it, you're gonna be talked about, and my name is gonna get famous, is what God wants. So Paul continues in verses three through five and says, now I'm sending the brothers uh, to make sure you're ready. As I said you would be, So bragging won't turn out to be so much hot air. If some Macedonians and I happened to drop in on you and found that you weren't prepared, we'd be all pretty red-faced, you and us, for acting so sure of ourselves. He's saying, hey, listen, I know you promised a gift that you're going to give to this campaign. I don't want to surprise you. So I'm going to send this, this early team, this advanced team up there, and then you can begin to work out what it's going to look like. So when I get up there in front of you and going, hey, where's the gift? And you're like, oh, shoot. So it's interesting. I mean, it's very practical. Paul does this. He says, I'm going to send some early people, an early team. So to make sure that there won't be no slip up, I've recruited these brothers as an advanced team to get you and your promised offering all ready before I get there. Listen to what he says here. I want you to have all the time you need to make this offering in your own way. Paul, Paul doesn't want to be a part of traditional campaigns where it's, it's coercing people and making them feel guilty. He says, just take your time. You guys promised it. I just I want to work this out with you. He says, I don't want anything forced or hurried at the last minute. So we want to be this remarkable community. We know that we have a remarkable God that's, that's given us a remarkable gift in Jesus Christ, and we know that the Bible promises Remarkable transformation. Where does that show itself? How does that show itself most in a community? And by this word, generosity. If you look throughout your Bible, you'll find that when people began to be transformed by the power of God in their lives, one of the first things to begin to be, to, to be a fruit, to be a product of that, is generosity. So last week we talked about the parable of the talents. We said a talent is what largely a, uh, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a life's, it's 20 years of, of, sal- of like a salary of, of, of life's income. And so having five talents would be 100 years. 
There's a lot. Two talents would be 40 years. One would be 20 years. So when you start to put that together, you just realize in that passage that God's saying, all that you have is from me. Another way to look at it, this is the pale principle. The pale principle. Now I'm going to go here because we're going to, we're going to see in this passage, this has very interesting insight how Paul's going to start to talk about sowing seeds. We see Jesus talking about this. This is a common term in Scripture. But the idea is this, that every one of us have been given a bucket. And in it is filled with what God gave you. I don't know what that is. Now, Paul's going to talk about a principle here in the idea of generosity that I want to make sure we understand. We could use as a principle that's overarching for all of our Christian life. It could be for your time. Generous with your time, with your, with your gifts that you've been given. If you're a craftsman, if you're a, a lawyer, if you're a banker, putting that time in and giving it away. But let's not mistake, Paul's actually talking about money here. And I know that puts the church like, like ooh, especially if you're new here, whoa, here. I knew it. I knew it. And so I'll say, I've said it before here, I, I'm so tired of people saying, I don't go to church because all they want is my money. I think that's such a silly comment because let's just be real. Everything when you walk outside this doors in our world is designed to get your money, right? Everything. This is probably the safest place to talk about it in here because God doesn't need your money. What God does want is a response to a heart that's transformed. So I want to talk, kind of unpack where Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Verse 6, so he's going to start to unpack what this looks like. He says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. So what does sparingly mean? Sparingly is in what you're given in your life, uh, financially, that you would see this bucket of seed, the seed represents all of the finances and resources God's given you, but sparingly would be to abstain. It would be to take out a small, you know, not a, not a handful, no, 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 because that's going to remove what's in my bucket. I'm going to, where's a good piece of soil? Where, where, where does this have the greatest chance to do anything? Are, are they good with the money? I don't know, but ah, this looks like the best chance. Oh, dropped too many. Sparingly is, 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 is looking through and, and feeling like you're responsible for when the seed hits the ground to make it grow. Sparingly would be just saying, I'm going to budget because I know every time I take seed out of this, my bucket gets smaller. So I'm going to really be careful about where I'm putting this. Oh, gosh, I don't, I don't know if I like what they're doing. I don't know if I support this leader. So you sow sparingly. The Bible says, you do that, you're not going to reap much. Friends, this principle is for everything. You think about it. If you, if you want to grow in your faith and you're not reading your Bible, you know, you, you sparingly read a verse here and there. Well, Troy, I read my Bible because I, I listened to a devotion on the radio. Okay, well, that's, that's sparingly then you're going to probably reap sparingly what the scripture can give back to you. 
Some of you have prayer. You want to grow in your spiritual life. And so prayer is, well, shoot, uh, I'll pray at a meal. Bloop. You know, uh, I'll throw up a prayer here and there, especially when times get tough. But you pray sparingly. Friends, the Bible's clear. It says, if you're going to do this, you're, you're, not, you're not going to get much back. Now, let me just be clear this morning. What I'm talking about is not a health and wealth gospel. This is not a surefire way to get you rich, right? So if you start to give, all of a sudden God dollar for dollar is going to double your money. It has nothing to do with that. Everything about what we're talking about this morning is a principle that God says when generosity hits your heart, what happens? He says something here, but who ever sows generously? What is generously? Wow. I get this chance because God's given me all this. I'm not even going to worry. And I am just going to everywhere I can. doesn't matter. I'm not in charge how they're going to use the seed. Matthew, Jesus talks about the sower and the seed. It never says we should gauge the soil. It says just sow, sow, sow the seed. Some of you kids are so excited I'm making a mess of the stage. See, this is huge, because so, you want to know why there's not, I think, remarkable communities being seen in our culture today, is because we're holding on. I better, I better save this. I earned this. And friends, a kingdom principle is that however hard you work, God allowed for you the job you got, the earnings you got, and you will be, you have one life. And that one life, you're going to be measured, parable of the talents, Matthew 25, of what did you do with what I gave you? And so generous sowers are just, whoa, this is awesome. You know, as many places as I could get this out there, I'm going to get it out there. That's what Paul's talking about when he says, sow generously, and you will reap generously. He says in verse 7, so each of you, because of this, should give what you've decided in your own heart. Don't feel a pressure from anybody else to give, hey, you should be giving this much. Only give what you have decided in your own heart. I'm sorry, I know some of you are coughing. I had no idea that I was going to do that. I coughed so much last service because of grass seed and allergies. So I apologize. If I break out in hives or you do, God will protect you, I think, I promise, or whatever. Because I was like choking last service. I couldn't figure out why. I am allergic to grass. Anyway. Um, anyway, if I start to swell, um, there's a doctor in the house. Good. Um, don't give reluctantly. You know what that means? It means to grieve it. It means to, ah, uh, here he goes. Gosh, friends, giving this way is not the generous hearts of a generous community that have recognized the generous God that has given them a remarkable gift. Don't give reluctantly under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful heart. You know I love some of the language that's in the Greek because these words have so much, it's like a hilarious or a laughter gift. It's, it's one that's, this is awesome! You know, more, more. More, wherever I'm not thrown it, I'm going to give more. 
It's a very different principle than our good America, right? You earn it, you save it, because one day I'm going to golf, you know? (laughs) I'm never going to have to work. There's no evil about golf, by the way. But it's just this concept that I'm to sail off in the sunset, and we lose perspective that, you know what? If you're alive, you're still going to be held accountable for what you're doing with the life you've been given and the bucket you have. So there's a worry. There's a worry with this, right? We know the first principle is that you sow generously. Friends, can I say this morning, that is your responsibility. That's it in the rest of the process. Just sow. Just give. Just give. God says give. He doesn't ask you to evaluate the places you're giving to. He doesn't say make a great financial decision and figure out all the ins and out. Do you support the leader? And I have no problem where you give. He's just saying, so, give it away. What's his promise? When we begin to do this, look what happens. And God is able to bless you abundantly. What's the word abundant? Means to beyond what you expected, to, to abound more. It gets bigger than what you could have imagined. That in some things and sometimes, No, what does it say? In all things and in all times, having all that you will need, you will abound in every good work. What's what's he saying here? As I start to give generously, I start to have this abundance of blessing in all things and at all times and having all, somehow it's all that I need. Somehow blessings come. So it's not necessarily dollar for dollar, but I would say to you as my wife and I even said last night, we're blessed. Our family all know Jesus Christ. Friends, I'll give the, I'd give the world to have my kids know God, my family to know God. And so you start to realize, we started to think about all the things we're, we're blessed, and it's not just money and provision for bills. It's a blessing of, of you, of uh, the church body we're a part of, the, the family. We start going down the list, and you're just saying, wow, we abound in all things at all times. And you know, we have all we need. We might want more, but we have all we need. And you will abound in every good work. And we're celebrating as he talks about Psalms 117. They freely scattered their gifts to the poor. This is not spiritual gifts, by the way. This is money. They gave what they had to the poor. And you read in the scripture radical giving. Radical giving. Giving that goes, they sold everything and gave it all. Mother Teresa said it this way. No one ever goes poor by giving too much. You you won't find in the streets of Calcutta, of a third world country, someone who's poor because they gave too much. You don't find that. And so Paul is encouraging this, this, this group that's saying, you are to sow generously and God will bless you generously. Again, I'm not, I'm not talking you're getting rich. It's not a health and wealth thing. This is 
God will begin to bless you in ways you had no idea. I can say to you that as Trish and I have given, don't understand how it happens, that we end up with all we need, and we're just blessed. Not once have we given and thought, oh, that was a mistake. Ugh. Why did we do that? Why do we help that person with food or groceries? Why, why do we give that? Not once. Paul continues, though, and says this beautiful part of this, because there's a fear, because my bucket's getting lower. Okay, sure, you said so, and I'm sowing generously. I'm doing as much as I possibly can, but as I do that, I'm realizing I'm, I got less. Sure, you're blessing me in great ways, but God, I'm a little concerned. I'm a little concerned that how are we going to make it? How are we going to survive now? How about us? It says, now he who supplies the seed to the sower, who's the sower? It's you and me. He who supplies the seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. What does this mean? As I continue to do this, and I, I, I try not to look in there, right? It's like, oh, okay, okay. God starts to pour in more. God is not going to pour in more for people who are, hmm, I'm going I'm to sparingly do this. God needs people who are generous and begin to live remarkably in a way because he wants to supply them with more seed to sow and keep doing it. That's the gospel message. Much of what Jesus does in his ministry is to meet the needs of people. And friends, that is what we're called to do, is give ourselves away as Christ gave himself up for you. He who supplies the seed to the sower, bread for food, will also supply and increase your store of seed, enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You'll find yourself in a right place. Tell you what, there's nothing better than giving. You start to give and you start to see the product of what it happens in, in lives of people. Look what he says here in verse 11. You will be enriched in every way. Some of you want abundancy in your life. Some of you want blessing in your life. Some of you want to be enriched in every way. He says you'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. What God's saying is, I'm going to keep giving you more because you're doing something that I want done. I'm going to keep giving stuff to you and giving things to you because you got it right. So, 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 so. On every occasion and through us, your generosity will result in what? Thanksgiving to God. It won't be, oh, look at them. They're so amazing. It will be God is amazing. It's a Filipino guy, uh, an inmate. It's uh, the third time I've seen him. And uh, this fellow is an interesting guy. He speaks very broken English. But he is a ridiculously crazy Packer fan, okay? So you can, the first, I see him this trip, and all he does is this. What happened? That's all he's got to say to me. 
Nothing else. What happened? You know? We got to visit a little bit, and I often get gifts from some of the players on the team of just shirts, and so I had this Packers shirt, and so I folded it up and gave it to him before I left. Wow. Who would have thought a crazy shirt would bless somebody like that? Almost in tears. The other inmates said to me, they were mad at me. They said, you know what you did to us, right? We will never hear the end of it, and he'll always wear this. (laughs) Friends, when we become generous, it puts you in a right place with, you're just in the right sacred space. You're in a space that you just go, oh, this is good. In the third world experiences that I've been in when we're giving and caring for people, whether it's a bottle of water, whether it's food, whether it's feed my starving children, whatever it is, there's just something right. And we can give God glory for that because he's the supplier, not you and I. You see, I think sometimes in giving, we have this idea that we're doing God a favor or the church a favor. Friends, you're not. You're doing yourself a favor. You're doing yourself the favor of standing before God one day and saying how you took care of what the supplier gave to you. That's generosity. So we're to sow the seed. He blesses us, but God resupplies generously. I'm amazed at, it seems like the more we try to give around here, the more God keeps giving in. Guys, I've had pastors ask me, hey, what are you doing? How is it that the building's paid off? How is it that your budget keeps going up when ours are going down? How is it that 65 to 70% of people that come on Sunday morning are giving once a month? How is that? I go, um, I don't know, we just keep giving more away. Doesn't make sense, does it? I really don't think it's because we have some amazing financial minds sitting in the back room somewhere. I don't think it's because we have investments everywhere and we're just like, you know, making more. I don't think it's because the economy's booming, right? God moves in the hearts of those who understand that remarkable gift that they've been given. And when he starts pulling together sowers that begin to sow generously, we just start to all reap the benefits. He resupplies. I don't have to worry how much is in this bucket. Ah, he, he, I'm going to keep giving it away. I'm going to keep giving it away. Verse 12 says, this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. When we sow, thank you, God. I know it's me to you need, but thank you, God. Thank, thank you that I get to be the one that you gave this to me, and I get to be the one to do that. Awesome. Awesome. Can I be the one to pack the food, to send the kids to to have a meal once a day? Can I I be the one to to volunteer at a homeless shelter downtown and give someone a place, a warm place to sleep? Man, that's awesome. God says he wants people that feel this and to understand and that service we begin to perform uh, is is giving thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ for your generosity and sharing with them and everyone else. What's he saying? Do you know how many churches today 
have people that talk about God but aren't obedient. Do you want to know why a prison can have more remarkable community inside of it? Because they have nothing left to lose. They just give, they're giving it all away. I think today the church has become, and that's you and me, by the way, not a building. It's, it's, it's us. We have become fearful hoarders, holding on to think, oh my gosh, I can't trust a God uh, that's in the Bible that's going to talk about giving provision. I got I to do all the things necessary to take care of myself. No, God's not saying be dumb. He's saying, no, I gave that stuff to you. So, as you desire in your heart, so as God's moved you, but give generously. Because one day, he's going to ask you about that. Hey, you got a lot in there. Hey, you were a great saver, but I didn't call you for that. I know that's rubbing completely opposite of what we've been taught. And I'm not asking anybody to go poor. And, per Mother Teresa's quote, who has gone poor by giving? Others will praise God when they start to see us live out the gospel. When you start to live the gospel of Christ, you start to proclaim his name, and they don't get it. How can you be so generous? And in their prayers for you and their hearts will go out to you. They'll start to pray for us. I know that there are a bunch of life inmates that have done horrible things in their life that are saved by the power of Jesus Christ that pray for you. They pray for you. Isn't that amazing? And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. Others begin to praise God. Remember we said, what's your part? You have a bucket, and you're supposed to sow the seed. That's all God says you're responsible for. I know we like to be involved and well, I'll see where I'll put my money and my, my gifts, but God says, don't worry about that. I know the conversation. You're on the street, you're in Chicago, you're in Minnesota and you see people that are on the street and you think, should I give them the money? Where will they spend it? Friends, never in the scripture does it call us to evaluate that kind of giving. It's for them to decide how they're going to use what they've been blessed with. You see that principle? The principle frees me. I can give. I had a great mentor growing up in, our, uh, when I, in our single parent home. We had a, a business owner that really blessed our family, and he taught me. He said, I never loan money. And at first I thought, wow, that's kind of miserish, you know. And he said, no, when I have it, I give it. Because it's not for me to get it back. He goes, when I have it, I give it away. He goes, then I'm, I'm not worried about what you do with it. I'm not worried if you ever pay it back. I just give it. I mean, amazing when God starts to capture the hearts, we start to sow generously. God begins to bless. God begins to resupply, and other people are blessed, and they begin to praise God. That's what's been happening around here for the last five, six years. Really, 48 years as God has blessed this church. It really gets back to the pail, the bucket. And it starts with you and I in looking our lives this way about how God's resourced us. Uh, guys, there's great stats out there. There's a stat to say that if the church 
would simply tithe 10%. Every Christian in the U.S. would tithe their 10%. There would be no global hunger, no issue of water. No one would be homeless, friends. Think about that. We don't have a money problem in our world today. We have a heart issue. And this is not my ploy to get you to do more for here. I'm simply saying it's a biblical principle. And maybe the thing that's holding you back this morning is trust. I've had people come to me. I'd have, I've had wives or husbands come to me during these last 42 days. Listen, I really want to give my spouse. Oh, gosh, they're just terrible. They, they want to hold on to everything. And you know what I tell them? I go, well, that's not for you to change them. You need to pray, and that needs to be a together decision. That needs to be something that you begin to personally own because one day we will stand before God with the bucket. I love when communities get together and start to think this way about all they have. Friends, that's probably what made Community Church a very unique experience here for 48 years in Green Bay, a community of people that are committed to be generous. And it has been that way. There's been some risks, there's been bumps in the road, as every church has, but it has been a blessed community. And so we are now in a phase that our church has been four or five different times of now we want to do this Ripple campaign. And as you see it, I mean, it's massive. And you know, some people have said, well, why don't, why don't we come up with a budget that we can afford and then do a vision? Where do you ever see that happen in the Bible? That, that's never happening. It is, what has God called us to? We're going to do that debt-free. So someone asked me, what's the timing, Troy? I go, well, we let go of timing because we're only, we're only going to move forward on what's been given. So we lose control of timing. It means don't break ground until we have it. And if God doesn't want to do it, he won't. But we feel passionate about some of the things that we want to do here. The first phase really is care center, children's renovation, children's additions, coffee house, uh, welcome space. I'd like to say we'd like to just piece this out. The problem is, once we start breaking up that lobby, we have to figure out how to get you in and out of this place. Once we do that, we have to figure out how does the road get into the place. It's it just a domino effect. This first phase is 14 million. <laughs> we'll wait for someone to throw something. Is that a lot? Yeah. Someone said, everybody keeps asking me, are you worried? No. Why would I be worried? Why would I be worried when we say we're, not do we're doing it debt-free? And when, when I see a Bible where it talks about Israelites saying, leave Egypt, stand at the base of a Red Sea, oh shoot, here come the Egyptians. God, God is going to do what he's going to do. We're only taking steps to do that. So maybe you're asking the question, so why, we call this Ripple, and we're, this is Pledge Sunday and you have cards there, but why give to this, Troy? I love what you're teaching, I believe it biblically, but I wanna give it elsewhere. Fine, do it. I, I'm, I'm fine with that. You should just be sowing. You could give it to Compassion, you could give it to St. John's Homeless Shelter, down. you could give it to a lot of those places, you can. I have no problem this morning standing on stage and saying, giving you a bunch of reasons why you should give it to Ripple. Because of what's already happening. 
in this generous community. 55 students to this date are being mentored this season. In literacy, because many of our kids are struggling with reading and literacy in our schools today, and so we have coaches that begin to do that. We got to fund that through our first fruits here, and guess what? We want to grow that and do that even better. We want to be a, a vital part of growing the literacy in our culture. You know why Ripple's important? is because 192 people found Jesus Christ last year. I want to give more to that. I will sow everything to see more of that happen. The 700 inmates in this service, as we were hearing Albert Take speak, I can just feel that moment when 45, about 45 guys came up, and one guy, short African-American kid, comes up. He's got tattoos all over his face. He's a guy who would not want to see an alley alone. His lip quivering because he just received the remarkable gift of Jesus in his life. And, re and realizes the remarkable sin in his own life. Friends, I'll give the world for that. I want to see more of that. Do you know in one week's time, there is 104 in one week scheduled at this place? 104 events. Some outside organizations, some inside. Friends, that's energizing. That is it's motivating. We want to do more of that. There are 137 families this last season that received care and share meals from groups of people that are volunteers here in our church to take care of meals for people. 168, over 168 people have gone through origins, breaking open their Bibles and going, what does God teach about the basics of my faith? Friends, I want to see that doubled and tripled. I connect an after-school program of mentoring and homework help and just fun here at our campus, here at our campus, and it would be great to continue to grow that. You know what, we helped last season with benevolence, 132 families got help. They, they were able to pull into a driveway to a place and say, I need gas, I need help to pay a bill, and they got help. That's why Ripple. How about the 200 plus service hours from Saturday Serve that happened all last year? of organizations all throughout our city. And I'll, I'll never forget some of the ones that ask, why do you do this? What do you expect from us? Nothing. 262 kids in vacation Bible school this last summer got to hear again the truth of the gospel. How powerful is that? 300, more than 300, have gone through Financial Peace University around here. I want to see that double. I want to see that grow because it teaches us what it, how, do we, how are we to look at what God's given us, this bucket. For over 10 years, our church has been committed to the Mother of Preschools program called MOPS. Well, we care about that season of life. It's a rough season for a lot of moms and just want some encouragement and some hope about what does it mean to be a Christian mom. In the last couple years, we've had 327 people step out publicly and affirm the inward transformation through baptism. Friends, that I, I will sow whatever I can. I'll give. I'll give for that. 448 people connected to family life groups in some different way, shape, or form. Vapor. We've had a chance to build almost now three centers 
in third world countries, they, they don't have that, and a place that's discipling and leading people to Christ, feeding the poor, giving them water, I'm in on that, I will sow more, yes. 600 children are registered in the Giving Tree program in, with the Howard Swamico School District, 600. When we, we help and when we get around the Giving Tree and we wanna build that facility for them here so that they have a place, we wanna fund their Christmas store because 600 kids struggle to eat. Friends, I, I'm gonna give more to that. There's 881 homeless children in Green Bay. We want to do something about that. We wrote a thousand letters to kids in compassion. A thousand. You wrote letters to kids to encourage them in third world countries that struggle to find money to eat. We packed this year, you, for Feed My Starving Children, almost a half a million meals. Yeah. A half a million meals. Can you feel, feel the ripple? Can you feel the rightness? When he says that, that you find that righteousness in that place with God, you find this place of, oh, this, this is the right place to be. It's the right, see, I'm in the right position of, of sowing and watching God do so much. 6,474 people at our Christmas and Easter last year alone got to hear about Jesus Christ. 58,000, yeah. Our community gardens, Brown County. Our gardens, the plot back there. You know what a neighbor said when we first tried to do this about three or four years ago? I don't want those kind of people in my backyard. And you know what's happened? We've become the number one garden in Brown County. And $58,000 of produce came out of a backlot property. Yeah. 25,000 hygiene products were collected last year, but just this week on this stage, there was more laundry detergent on this stage, and it gets dispersed to places that are helping the homeless and the people that are hurting that need some of those products. 21 churches we begin to network with and help and equip. From doing leadership lunches to inviting them to the Global Leadership Summit to Feed My Starving Children, we just said we want to get around and be the supporters for more churches that are trying to lead people to Jesus. I don't care what the denomination. And it's happening. You can clap. You can clap it loud. You got it going, didn't you? We have first fruits, so when you give a dollar, we're up to the 10%. And we started at 1.3% six years ago. We're now at 10%. Every time you give, 10% of that goes to the go area to, to fund and propel any missional ministries that we have. Over the last four years, you're almost given a half a million dollars away. Okay, it's like, yes, yes. Uh, that, that makes sense for me. Look at this last one. Over last year, 120,000 people came through this building. That's larger than the population of Green Bay. <laughs> Friends, I don't know what you're doing with your bucket. I don't know things that you have planned. I know this. 
that God's called us to be a generous community, a community that begins to be remarkable about how we're sowing as often and as bountifully as we possibly can. From the, from the bottom of our heart, not under compulsion, not as a get-rich scam, but saying, God, you've given me so much. I want to be a part of that. But I want to see our city change because of Jesus. And friends, I have zero problem telling you, give to Ripple. The band's going to come up, and really, it's, it's really our Pledge Sunday, and you have cards right there. And I made this prayer in the last service, and it freaked out some of our people, so I'm going to say this a little bit different. When you go to communion, there should be an overwhelming sense of gratitude that God would save remarkable sinners like you and I. Because of that, it should lead you to whatever you have of saying, it's not for you to hold, but it's for you to give away. And so friends, communion is a great big thank you to God, but can't be left there. The thank you is then, God, I'm going to start to give. I don't know if your tithers here. I really don't know, and I don't look at names of what people give. I don't really care because it's for you. And I'm trying to encourage you as a pastor to say, you will be held accountable one day for what you do or don't do. Are you a generous sower? Or are you a sparing sower? When you take communion today, there's buckets at the crosses, and those are for you to fill out a pledge card. And you can give a lot. You can pledge a one-time gift. You could do three years. We're trying to figure out the next three years. Uh, some of you say you already give. This is sacrificial giving. Trisha and I, this is above what we normally give. And again, I don't feel any awkwardness to do it. I'm not going to get a new car out of it. I'm not, there's nothing. It, we're saying that's what we want to do. And so you could trust that, that we want Jesus Christ and his name to be famous in Green Bay. We're asking you to look at what that is. You may want to take it home. I'll talk to you afterwards. There's some practical pieces, but there's buckets of the crosses if you want to do that. I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to dive into response. God in heaven, I am amazed at what you've given. You have blessed myself and my friends in this room abundantly. God, might we hold this bucket of blessing and give it freely. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.